Welcome to episode 24 of the CowCast, listener Q&A. All right, I'm Eric. I am James. And we are back to answer more questions from listeners. Uh, it's been a while since we've had an episode. We've had a lot of things going on around the shop. We had some events. We had uh, conventions. So we're well, back. Been, we're both busy people outside of the stores. We we've are. We've had some trade shows that we've been attending and that, that have fallen on our normal podcast recording night. So so those of you there that you uh, are a little sad that you haven't gotten to hear us as much, we're sorry. But or we're perturbed. Back. Yeah. We, we've got a few things lined up. Um, tonight, we're going to do listener Q&A. And uh, really what we're going to focus on uh, are basically events. A lot of questions mm-hmm. around events that have come in in the last 24 hours or so uh, when we put the call out for Q&A. So, uh, and but- we have a lot of questions that have been sent to us. So our plan is to do, we're going to start rolling them out rapid fire. We're going to do some this week, yep. next week, and the week after. So we're going to break it up into manageable, digestible chunks. Right. So again, today uh, we're going to talk about events and the uh, the first thing that came up from the events discussion, uh, or I guess the, the Q&A log of events stuff, is um, how has the response been to Resurrection, uh, you know, the X-Men relaunch? Uh, my first question would be, what response? There has been, there has been no <laughs> response. Uh, the only Resurrection, the only thing it uh, has succeeded in doing for us was getting uh, a bunch of speculators to call us after the X-Men Gold controversy broke. Um, honestly, we resurrection. See, it seems like a small thing. It really does, and it's it's our job to educate customers about this. But we had a lot of people that were just confused about it. X Men Prime, they people thought X Men Prime was an ongoing series, so we had a lot of people that bought X Men Prime. Then X Men Gold and Blue came out, and people said, and people bought them. Kind of saying, well, that's weird that there's three X-Men series. When is X-Men Prime 2 going to come out? I said, well, there is an X-Men Prime 2. And he said, well, why did they put it out? And I said, well, it's, it's kind of the kickoff book for Blue and Gold. And people said, well, I didn't know that. You know, it's confusing. So it's not, it, it's your average consumer that we've had that's an X-Men fan um, just didn't seem to understand what Resurrection was how it was kicked off, what the point of it was. Um, we already had a lot of people that dropped X-Men Blue. X-Men Gold, I think, had a little bit more longevity simply because of the controversy. Then everybody, I think by now, if, if you're not familiar with the Artie and Saif controversy, just go to Google because we're not going to recap it here. But we we sold out of X-Men Gold number one. We had a lot of people calling from area codes that, Never not seen local, before. <laughs> never seen before. Wanting to, and the question was usually, how many copies of X-Men Gold 1 do you have left? Which was zero. But the, the second print we came out, we ordered some of those, and we haven't sold a single one yet. I think all of these series, Jean Grey is a really great example, where we've sold three copies of Jean Grey number one. No one has added it to their pull list. Generation X, no one has added it to their pull list. Weapon X, no one has added it to their pull list. We have some casual sales off of the shelf, but nobody, no one cares enough about these. X-Men Blue, I think we have two subscribers. No one cares enough to follow these books um, issue to issue. You know, they, they're figuring they're going to grab them off the shelf, which eventually they're not going to be able to do because if we get less and less and less sales, we're going to stop ordering it for the shelf. Um, I, I think... As Marvel is wont to do with almost every series, or um, or I should say every family of titles every that they have, pocket of their they're they're universes. just they're blanketing. You know, Cable came out this week, and um, it it was a minor success, I would say. We sold a decent amount of them, but the problem with these books is we have no idea how many people are going to come back to two because no one has subscribed to it. Right. Uh, so I would say resurrection as an event or as kind of a banner is sort of meaningless, at least for our store, because nobody cares about it. Um, I don't, I don't think 
you know, there's the whole, uh, I guess, line of, of thinking that because of Ike Perlmutter and uh, Marvel's view on Fox having the move, the film rights to X-Men that, that they killed the line for a long time. And they, they kind of did to a point, except for Deadpool, which they beat into the ground. Um, but what should be the, the triumphant return of the X family to prominence in the Marvel universe has been met with next to no real interest here. It's kind yeah. of your, the, the same people that have been buying X-Men in whatever iteration and whatever title it's been for a long time are still buying it, but they're just confused, which is not a good thing. And we can kind of explain it to people. We can explain what they're going to, what prime did as, as sort of a kickoff of a uh, book and what blue and gold are supposed to be. But if, if people are already confused enough where they have to ask you to explain it, it's, it's not a good thing. Um, we, and we've had a couple of people that have dropped it saying that they're, dropping X-Men blue and gold until they relaunch it with the legacy numbering, because he said, what's the point of reading it now when they're, we know that they're just going to renumber it anyways with legacy. I'll pick it up then. So I think if anything, all this legacy talk has hurt the sales for books that are in the low numbers or have had a recent relaunch like blue and gold. Right. Uh, so to answer the question, resurrection has been middling at best confusing and toxic at worst. Yeah. I agree. I don't have anything else to add on that one. There you go. Um, the next question that we had was talking about the button and comparing it to Secret Empire. So there's kind of a couple of facets. This one's from Perseus. A couple of different components to this of how um, how did buttons sell over overall, the four issues? The button sold great. The lenticular sold incredibly well. The, the different non-lenticular variants have all sold very well. Um, Every issue we had to order more of. Right. And, meaning well, we had to thing, up our order because there was no more back at the warehouse. So, right. Well, the thing with, with upping our order was we were able to get more issues in of the majority of the books, except for... Batman 21, right? Uh, no, we were able to get more of that. It was Flash 22 that we weren't able to get more right. copies of. Um, but you couldn't get any more of the lenticular right. covers of it. So the lenticulars were put out as FOC only. And uh, as we've talked about before, FOC is final order cutoff, meaning that they weren't something that were included on your initial order. So if you have a store that doesn't do FOCs, they're not going to get them. They, there was no way that right. they could get these books. Um, and that was about the FOC date was, I think, four months before the release date because the lenticulars take more time to print and all of that. It was three or four um, Whatever the case, the uh, the lenticular covers were a huge hit. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I had to identify one factor in what made them such a hit. I don't know if I could narrow it down to one thing. Obviously, the influence of Watchmen having a potential crossover, Watchmen characters showing up, was was very big. You know, it was the first time that any of that had been addressed since the Rebirth one-shot. Um, and the fact that it was in what are two of the best-selling DC titles for us, Batman yep. and Flash. Yep. That was, that was huge. Um, because we had a good amount of Flash readers that don't get Batman and a good amount of Batman readers that don't, that don't get Flash. So we ordered enough to anticipate all of the Batman readers matching the numbers of the Flash readers and vice versa with the Flash readers matching Batman. Uh, but we still didn't order near enough and we ordered a good, a healthy amount for the shelf. Um, which is, it, you know, before we keep going, yeah, yeah. that's something that we talked about very recently, how these DC events, we order more than what we normally would, and we still mm -hmm. don't order enough. Like, we, we know that in our area, we ordered more Rebirth than anybody else, and we could have sold double what we bought. Look at the button compared to Resurrection. We just talked oh, about geez. People had no... So nobody was, was confused with the button. People knew it was a four-part story. Yep. It started in Batman, ended in Flash. It was it, it alternated like your traditional uh, old-school crossover. Um, and and we had so many people that contacted us and just said, I want the button. And right. we knew what that meant. We, all four if issues, they, we knew what it meant. Right, exactly. right. I want the lenticulars for the button. Okay. A lot of people that, and we had people that don't even get 
Batman or Flash. Right. Or DC books at all. Yep. That wanted the button. Whether it was because of the cover. And and there has been a certain amount of pushback at DC for having the the lenticular covers. You know, a lot of people that are kind of rehashing the... um, We're back to the 90s 90s, accusations. And certainly the new Dark Days, The Forge, or whatever the hell it's called. With a metal cover and stuff. I mean, there there are a lot of uh, apt comparisons to make there, but I think the button sold better based on content than anything else. The lenticulars were really cool, though. They they were great covers. I want to say this though: for all those naysayers about going back in time and repeating things, how many of you that are sports fans own retro jerseys of your sports teams? How many people out there listen to retro music? How many people out there are wearing retro clothing? So before anyone chastises a company for doing well, things that have already been done, uh, just no, I, pot kettle here, pot kettle. But to that point, like you were saying, the, the lenticular covers. I think no, but I, I just to address that, I think that there are. It is a slippery slope. Oh, agreed. It is agreed. Um, I is is like a one-off, yeah, type of thing. I think the button and the lenticular covers is a great idea. A four issue, excellent covers, yeah. excellent execution. Yes. Um. I had I had no problem with it if as, as long as it doesn't keep going and going and going and then we have gatefold foil covers and right the hologram covers and keep it keep it limited yep. um, and if they want to use it for and, and I guess that's a that's a difference too if they want to use it for an event like the the two title crossover mm-hmm. limited event that's different than line wide. Sure. Right. And I mean, that's where we would start to get annoyed because that's, yeah. So anyway, the button, the button sold really well because it was, because everybody knew what it was, even if they didn't know what the content was going to be, if, even if they didn't know if Dr. Manhattan or Rorschach or who was going to show up and, and the book was going to show up, they knew it was, a, it was a four part series called the button. Yep. Continuing off of rebirth. A, a certain element of rebirth yep. that crossed over into two episodes or two episodes, two issues of, Batman, two issues of Flash. Yep. Uh, Resurrection again. We had people that didn't even know what the hell it was, yep. or and, and had no clue what Prime was. Yep. So and to compare, the, nobody pulling right. it off of the shelf. So to compare those two, it's no contest. No. So to compare Empire. the button to Secret Empire, on the other hand, uh, I want before we get really uh, really too far into Secret Empire, I want to talk about Civil War Two, because Civil War Two. There's a lot predicated, uh, a lot of Secret Empire stuff predicated in Civil War II. Civil War II for us ended up being a very, very uh, interesting book to order. The main reason being, when we first started ordering the, the first four issues of the book, it was, you know, they had coincided to try to tie into the Civil War movie. And it was it was a blatant cash grab. I don't think anybody could really argue that. It's not like everyone is shouting for Civil War two. Uh, they knew the movie was coming out. They wanted to have something that had Civil War in the title on yep. the shelf. They had done the other giant cash grab by having the Secret War Civil War miniseries. It was also on the shelf at the same time because um, Marvel loves to confuse the consumer. But Civil War two comes out. We order very heavy on it. Of course, it had a zero issue. We didn't order as heavy, but we ordered heavy on the first issue. Uh, right off the bat, sales started falling for us. We had a lot of people that bought the first issue, said, take it off my list. Bought the second issue, take it off my list. So by the time we got to the to FOC, our fourth issue, when we went in and you know it was about a month, three weeks before it shipped out, we were really dropping our numbers on the book. What happened was that variable you can never count on is that the closest comic store to us closed. So we had no idea, not necessarily being 100% privy to their ordering numbers, um, because you're not really going to get that from the store that's closing, and Diamond is not going to give you any of those numbers. We had to make a kind of... Uh, Calculated. Shoot from guess, the hip decision. Yeah. And we said, this is the big event. We know that this store that's closing sells a lot more weekly books than we do sold a lot less back issues and wall books and games and things than we do, but they, they sold a lot more weekly books. They were in a great location, um, very heavy population, heavy pop, heavily populated area. Um, and we didn't know what 
was going to translate over to us. So we upped our Civil War II, the back half of Civil War II, by almost, actually, I think more than double. What we, by, like our orders of five that we put in the initial order for were at least twice as much as four, simply because we knew we were going to get a lot of crossover traffic that we never had before. Um, right off the bat, you know, our orders of five went up, or sales of five, I should say. Five and six were a lot higher than they would have been had the store not closed. But what we saw after that was a complete disinterest in malaise where the sales of seven and eight, which we had already pre-ordered, put, put large yeah. numbers up for, dropped down to about what our sales of four had been. Yep. So that means even with this influx of customers from a store that had closed, Civil War II had ended up being such a stinker that nobody cared. And that you could have closed two more stores around us and we probably wouldn't have sold much more anyways. Yep. So many people had just dropped off of the event. Um, well, adding, adding insult to injury, the event added an issue. Yep. Then there were delays. Oh, yeah. Massive delays. So it was one of those things where there was everything was stacked against it. And there was just, I think, a, a, again, a general feeling by most people that the event was treading water. It was a, it was a cash grab. It was a typical Marvel event. That was simply there to be the, the bridge between the next event and the previous event. Anyways, how does that lead into Secret Empire? Well, Secret Empire offered certain uh, price breaks to a retailer based on you hitting a certain percentage of your Civil War II orders. Now, having been so badly burned on Civil War II, we said, we're, you know, Secret Empire. It's another one that starts with a zero issue. It's going to be nine issues. We don't, let's not go crazy here. You know, we, we kind of looked at our sales for Steve Rogers, Captain America and said, let's, we'll use this as sort of a, a springboard. And we have 14 people that subscribe to Steve Rogers. This is going to be a big event for Marvel. They're going to push it like they did civil war. But generally we, we know that the people that get Steve Rogers are probably going to pick the book up. Right. How many people after that are going to pick the book up? And we ended up settling, I think, around like 30, 30 copies of the book. Well, what happened after that was um, if Marvel had this thing that came out after the initial order was put in, that if you matched a certain amount of your orders for Civil War II, you would get an additional 15% off on the book. What that means for us is if you sit down and you do the numbers – you might spend another five or six or seven dollars to get another twenty issues for essentially what you'd be paying for the thirty issues. So we jumped our orders up to I think sixty or seventy issues. We also were able to use that to get the J. Scott Campbell and a couple of other variants. And uh, because of our increase, we got two of the bundles of lenticular backing boards that have the Hydra symbol, and we got two bags of. Hydra and Captain America pants. Those will factor back into our, our story <laughs> later on. Yes. So as, we kind as of I sit here salty. <laughs> right. So we kind of figured we're going to have a lot of extra copies of Secret Empire number one sitting around. But it's, you know, in case we're wrong, and, we, and it is a giant event, and really, really gets a lot of traction. Why not spend the extra $6 and get a buttload of other copies? Turned out to be a great idea. Um, the, because the great unknown that you get for a lot of these, these big books is what is, what is the, what is the variable that you don't really count on to sell the book? And for us, it was free comic book day that the book came out the first, not the zero issue, but the first issue. And we sold out of the zero issue. Again, we ordered, I think we matched our number of our copies of the zero issue of secret empire to what we ordered for the zero issue of civil war, which we ended up having like one copy of, left on the shelf after the eighth issue came out, Civil War II. Um, with Secret Empire, we figured, well, let's do the same thing. Yep. It's a zero issue. We'll order heavily on the first issue. Well, we sold out of the zero issue before the first issue even came out. That should have been a clue. But then what happened was we have Free Comic Book Day. and We had our best Free Comic Book Day that we've ever had. I mean, we yeah. had a line before we opened. At one point, maybe 30 minutes after we opened, we had 100 people in line. We had never seen that kind of yep. I mean, there, the first three comic book day after getting the store, we had like a 10 or 15 minute window <laughs> before we opened and then some people trickled in slowly. So yeah. it's like, it's been a very exponential increase in the amount of attendance we get on free comic day. 
Um, but what, how, but how did that translate to Secret Empire and, and, and its sales? Um, well, Secret Empire had lenticular backing boards and pins. Woo! So we kept those up by the register. Betcha. And I'll be damned if every person who looked at it said, are those pins and, and this hologram thing here free? We said, absolutely, they are free. If you buy the first issue of Secret Empire, and of course there was a Secret Empire free comic book day book, so we kind of had the double whammy. People came through in line. They grabbed the Secret Empire comic day book. They got down to our next table where we had all the stuff that was take as many as you want. Marvel had sent out kind of a Secret Empire, uh, I guess, preview book to all, all the stores. So we had that on that table. So they grabbed the free comic book day issue Secret Empire. Then they grabbed this Marvel preview uh, sneak peek on Secret Empire. Then they get up to the register after looking around. And here's a Secret Empire branded stuff and, and a really cool Hydra pin and a Captain America pin. I said, are these free? We said, well, yeah, they're free if you buy the first issue of Secret Empire. Lo and behold, we sell an incredible amount of Secret Empire. We had people buying Secret Empire just to get the buck, which is ironic to me because it was going up against a book called The Button. I mean, think about that. A book we, called The Button, with which we did not need to give away gimmick buttons. We, no, we did not. But, but, my, <laughs> but my point is, we sold, at this point, it's well over double what we sold at The Button. Secret Empire number one. Look, and, and the other thing to consider is, we also had a 15% price break on it. Yep. Meaning that we made a lot more money selling Secret Empire than we did The Button. And... We still have, I mean, we we still have maybe 10 copies left. And we sold the Campbell. I, I'll admit we sold the Campbell one at a marked up price. Uh, but we did have a buyer for it, you know. So Secret Empire has ended up being our most, thus far, our most lucrative Marvel event that they have ever put out. Now, and, and, and I, I just, I because I know you're going to say it. Yep. So let me just address it. Yes, it relied on a gimmick to sell. It relied on a gimmick to sell Secret Empire if it was not for Marvel giving us the buttons and the lenticular backing board, we would not have sold one third of the copies that we sold. It's incredible, but that's the case. Now, here's here's where I'm going to chime in though on a couple other facets of this. So, we both we just discussed before we jumped into the Marvel talk about how we under ordered on the button. We could have ordered probably double and sold out. We could have. So right then and there, without gimmicks, we are fairly confident we could have matched number of books sold. Maybe not profit because of that 15% off. But the other thing... Well, it was a $5 book. The lenticular buttons are $3.99. Right. The other thing that I want to point out, though, that I think is really important is the success of the event, right? So the button is wrapped up. Mm -hmm. That's done. We saw every issue we ordered more. We had more people coming in for it. We had to go back to the well and get more. So we ordered more of every issue. We have the opposite trend with Secret Empire. We are ordering less of every issue. So the event is not done yet. Reorders mm-hmm. have not been placed yet. We haven't gotten issue three. We haven't sold out of issue two. I don't think we're going to sell no, out of issue three two. three came out this week. Yeah, that's right. Three came out this week, but we have not sold out of issue two. I don't well, think we Well, and we're will. not, not going to sell out of issue two. Exactly. Uh, because we ordered a tremendous amount. They offered the same price break for ordering... If you, I, I don't remember what it was, match this percentage of this Civil War, whatever the hell it was, and you get another 15% price break. Well, right. we did the same thing. But at the same time, we ran the numbers and we, because of the increased margin, mm-hmm. Civil War Two has already become profitable for us. No, and, 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 we, and we've still got... I mean, Secret Empire Two. Yeah. Civil War Two is never profitable <laughs> for us. Uh, Secret Empire Two has already become profitable. And we've still got 40 copies on the shelf. Now, yeah. admittedly, we're we're going to have, I'm willing to say right now, by the time the event wraps up, we're probably going to have 30 copies on the shelf and we'll never be able to sell them. Right. But who cares? We made our money and we'll, by then we'll have every issue that we sell at $4.99 of the second issue, the third issue is back down to $3.99. That's $4.99 of, of profit for us. Okay. Um, so it worked out great. And, uh, you know, we, we are not two guys to sit here at all and sing Marvel's praises. We are giant DC fans. We're almost to the point of being DC fanboys. Um, but I will say Secret Empire made us a lot more money than the button did. To your point, we could have ordered more button. 
But even if we had doubled our orders of the button our, and put it up against what we sold to Secret Empire, we still made more in Secret Empire. So I, I guess... What will remain to be seen, though, which I think is the most important thing, and maybe we can come back to this after Secret Empire has wrapped up after a couple of months, is what is the lasting impact of that? Oh, right. it's going to be it's going to be terrible. But that, that leads me... <laughs> no, nice confidence on that one. No, I know. But that leads me to what I was, what I was going to jump in with. Uh, going... See, Secret Empire number one. We sold an incredible amount of copies when we had 700 people come in the store that didn't add it to their pull list, that didn't even have a pull list. Right. Did we sell a lot of copies to regulars? Absolutely. Did we sell a copy to everyone that gets Steve Rogers and Sam Wilson? Absolutely. To all the people that buy any Marvel event book? Absolutely. But despite that, despite selling a record amount of Secret Empire number one, I don't think that we have had more than 15 people added to their pull list. Yeah. Meaning these are people that are still buying the book off of the shelf. And I think that they are afraid of adding it to their pull list. And they figure I'm going to keep grabbing it off the shelf until I don't like it anymore. Secret empire doesn't, does not instill a lot of confidence into me. Um, number looking at the numbers now with three, we ordered half the amount of three that we did two mm-hmm. uh, for several reasons. One, there was no price break associated with it, like there was for one and two. Two, we figured that the the you know your sales are going to be front heavy, so we sold a lot of one. We sold less of two, but still enough to to be profitable. With three being a three ninety nine book, have not having the price break, we have to kind of go back to the traditional comic sales model on it. And, and sell, we know we have to sell X amount of this book. If we have X amount left, we're taking it on the chin, you know, or we're going to hit parity or we're not yeah. going to make money. So we drastically reduced our orders on three. We reduced our orders even further on four. And we're probably going to do the, th- the same thing for five and six. Now, where Marvel is coming out and getting a lot of retailers really, really pissed off is their offer of the glow-in-the-dark cosmic cubes. Now, these glow-in-the-dark cosmic cubes, they've put it out there that go to your your local comic shop and retailer to get a free glow-in-the-dark cosmic cube. And uh, it's not free, first off. In order to get it free, you have to match with issue six of Secret Empire. Issue six, 150% of your orders of Secret Empire number two. Now, if we ordered 60 copies of Secret Empire number two, that meant that we would have to order 90 copies of Secret Empire number six. And we're not, there may be, uh, there may be some store that, that is able to do that, but it sure is it not ain't us. going to be us. There's no way that we're going to go from going from 60 copies of a book to where we have 30 of them sitting on a shelf. 30 to 25 to 25 up to 90. No store is going to do that in order to get a product that they're going to give away for free. Let's now, caveat that. Yeah. No sound retailer would do that. Sure. Some stores will do that. Uh, well, maybe they will. But yeah. But at the same time, if you're thinking you, about you also have, shop, don't. But you also have the option to buy a bag of the Cosmic Cubes from Marvel for $10 per bag. So if you were look, to look at the difference in price, if even if you're at 50%, let's say that you have... Uh, you have to up your order of Secret Empire by 70 books. It's going to cost you $140. You could just buy the bags of Cosmic Cubes for 10 Yep. Buy three bags, it's $30, and give those away. But even then, you're just buying a product to give away. Uh, we'll be honest, we're not going to get the Cosmic Cubes at all. Nope. We're not going to get them because there is no sound way that it benefits us at all. And the other thing is, we give, I mean... Even though it's, it sounds like something that might be a little callous, like it's a cool event, whatever. But Marvel's the one saying that these things are free and then telling us that we have to buy them. Right. This isn't like free comic book day where there is a noticeable benefit from doing this. We have participated in giveaways like this before and, and uh, this type of product support. And it does nothing. It does nothing to drive product. It does nothing to move product. Even if we bought them and we said to get your Cosmic Cube free... You have to buy Secret Empire number six. I, I don't, I mean, it worked for Secret Empire number one, but that was the first issue. 
they got the, the pin and the lenticular backing board. I don't know if you can sell people on Secret Empire that haven't bought the first five issues to get a free Cosmic Cube. And the people that are going to buy issue six regardless, they're going to buy it regardless if you give them a cube or not. Yep. So I, I just don't see that gimmick moving any more copies. So I guess then that comes down to, at this point, we can say that financially, the beginning part of Secret Empire was very lucrative for us. It did well. We mm-hmm. did well. Uh, we can say that Button on the whole was very successful as far as retaining readers, yeah. adding readers, yeah. and reinvigorating or, or continuing to keep those people that were excited by Rebirth excited. Uh, so maybe we'll come back a little bit later when Secret Empire wraps up and we'll give more thoughts. But that's kind of where we sit right now. And again, I, I think it, I, I'm, it's not like a cheerleader for – I'm not a cheerleader for Secret Empire. Um, it's just objectively, it, it's been a better event for us because of the price break that Marvel gave and because yeah. of these giveaways that they gave to us for Secret Empire. It, it helped us a, a great amount. And for all we know, we might get 20 people that bought Secret Empire to get a, a Captain America pin that come back and buy the whole series. We, it might happen. We haven't seen it yet. But it might. You never know. I mean, if if you're a person that had their first experience to comic books on Free Comic Book Day, or your first experience at least to a direct market store, and you don't understand how the market works, you might not know that you have to come in every couple of weeks to buy the next issue of Secret Empire. You might walk in three months from now. And luckily, we just happen to have a bunch of copies on the shelf and they buy every issue. Um, But you never know. I mean, it's... It's the type of thing where um, we're only going to know, at, like you said, after the event is over, and we will be more than happy to collate our numbers and report them to you. But for right now, Secret Empire has been a more lucrative event than the button. Um, so then we've got a couple of questions here from, from our friend John Mayo. And uh, the first one that he's got is, are events helping sales overall? And And I think that Depending on what event we're talking about, the answer is yes or no. Like James, like you just said, Civil War really didn't do much. The tie-ins were, were kind of a dud. Um, some people jumped on the first issue of some of those tie-ins, but we just it was a mess after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the event of Rebirth was huge. Our DC numbers have been steady and growing. Our new comic sales in general have been growing, and, and DC is a big part of that. Well, what do you and again? What do you consider to be an event? Because there's, I think there's a big difference between a line-wide event like Secret Empire, Civil War II uh, versus Rebirth, which, I mean, you could argue that Rebirth is a line-wide event because it was the name and it was the banner that they gave the entire relaunch of the DC line. But it wasn't an event. I mean, they, they could have called it DC 3.0 or 4.0 or whatever you want to call it. And I don't know if it would have been an event. I mean, do you call New Fifty Two an event? I don't. I don't think I would. I think you call Flashpoint the event, which was the lead-in, right? Exactly. Just like the Rebirth issue was the lead-in to all of these. So Correct. I guess that Rebirth one shot was the event. So if that's an event, then that's great. That's one issue that is an event. Yep. Um, versus well, then, what, you, then you've got other events. So I, I can only think of a couple of other DC events that have taken place. So you've got Rebirth uh, one shot, which you could consider. Then you have the Justice League Suicide Squad. You got the Teen Titans one right now. And then the Teen Titans, Titans. Yeah, you've got that one right now. So I guess those are the DC ones and then the button. Uh, And then over on Marvel. Well, Krebs, I guess, yeah, that really is. How do you define an event? Because you've got got Deadpool, Till Death Do Us. You've got um, the Amazing Spider-Man had their... uh, Well, let's let's talk about the differences in event fatigue, though. Uh, Now, event fatigue generally is going to let people... People's minds are going to go towards having to buy all the banner tie-ins. So I think Civil War II. Clone Kid. Well, you know what? I don't look at that as the same thing. Um, Civil War II, I think, because that was a real stinker for us and a very underwhelming event for everyone. Let's use that as our continued example. Civil War II had so many different tie-in books. It had Spider-Man Civil War miniseries. It had Captain America, Kingpin. It had all these miniseries of her tie-ins. And it had Civil War II 
banners on weekly books that had a minimal, I mean, as, as the, the moniker is applied originally to your fake event book, the Red Skies crossover, <laughs> where books back when Crisis on Infinite Earths came out would have the Crisis logo or the banner on the top, but there would be a red sky in the background, and that was it. And then the, the rest of the, the story would continue as normal. The only Crisis tie-in tie or crossover was that the skies were red from Crisis. So those those kind of have a parlance in comic book lingo as a red sky crossover, red sky event. And that's mainly what you got a lot of uh, from Civil War II um, versus something like Death Do Us Part, which was a finite crossover. It was a six-part crossover. Between three different Deadpool books. Right, between three different Deadpool books. Um, I, I mean, I guess something like that is more comparable to the button mm-hmm. than it is or to Civil War II. Suicide Squad. Sure. Now let's talk about a crossover that pissed off a lot of people, which is when they had the Power Man, Luke, or uh, Iron Fist and Power Man crossover with Deadpool, where they stuck what should have been a three-part miniseries into a $9.99 issue that if you were subscribed to the book, you got this crossover that you didn't want forced on you, put in your box. You had to spend $10 to get all the content for this book. It was essentially like making people buy a trade that they didn't ask for. That kind of thing has had, I think, more of a uh, depreciating effect on readership than just about anything else. Because when you keep forcing $9.99 Every quarter. weekly on people, yeah. and especially if it's a book like Deadpool, where they will occasionally put out an extra issue in a month, and now you're making people buy an extra nine ninety nine issue. And we say making people, and I know you know what I mean. If yeah. You're a subscriber. You want to collect the book, and now you have to buy an extra nine ninety nine issue to have that full run. And I that's that's hurting people. I mean, that's hurting subscriptions. That's hurting um, that it's killed Deadpool. Deadpool has gone from being uh, a top book for us, where we could sell anything Deadpool, to we might sell four or five copies of a Deadpool tie-in if we're lucky and we hardly order any extra copies of Deadpool for the shelf anymore. Are we at the point where Spider-Man Deadpool is outselling the mainline Deadpool? We, no, we were close no, at one point. No, because we've had, we've had a lot of people drop Spider-Man Deadpool because of all the fill-in issues. Yeah. So there's something to be said for quality too. I think that's uh, quality versus quantity but that's uh, probably a topic for another night. Um, but there's there's a lot of different crossovers is what we're boiling this down to. And when people talk about event fatigue, I would say the, the biggest description of event fatigue would be making people buy an extra title that they don't want to have to buy to get the story. Uh, whether it's having to buy 50 parts of Civil War II or having to buy two extra issues of Deadpool Mercs for Money, or even a $10 issue of Deadpool to get an extra 50 pages of Power Man and Iron Fist. I mean, it's making people spend money that they didn't plan to spend and don't want to have to spend. Just thought of another DC one. Go ahead. They have the Batman Detective Nightwing. Oh, the uh, Night of the Monster Man. Yep. Sorry. That was... Which was done as a fill-in. Yeah. Uh, but event fatigue in general is, it's a real thing. Yep. And the button was a great example of it propelling sales because DC does not abuse it like Marvel does. But just like anything else, if DC keeps doing things like this, eventually the, um, the sheen's going to wear off. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think that they're going to do it. I think that they are at this point much, um, I can't say, well, yeah, I could say, okay, I'll say it. They're much smarter publishers right now. They and they know not to completely flood the market and drown people in an excess product just to make a quick buck and hurt the long term. Yep. Um, but events do events sell books for us? Do they move product? It's a, it's a tough it's a tough question to answer because some gonna, some do, yeah. but others don't, and others leave us with. I mean, you would not believe the short box that we ended up filling. BS Civil War II crossovers. I can't stress enough how much of a terrible event that was. 
and how much the delays hurt it. Secret, you, I mean, Secret Wars was bad with all of the delays. Yeah, especially when II, all the, the repercussion books were coming out with two issues left of the main line. Yeah. And, but Civil War II, I mean, look at what happened with Doctor Strange this week. I don't know if you're familiar with what happened, but the Secret Empire crossover issue of Doctor Strange came out. I think it's issue 21. Do you know what comes out next week? Issue 20 of Doctor Strange, which wraps up the Jason Aaron Pachalo run. So Marvel was so quick to release another Secret Empire tie-in that they released Doctor Strange 21 after issue 20. Before issue 20. Or before issue 20. And how does that make any sense at all? If anything, it just shows how the event method of publishing books, not only, it's not only confusing. I mean, we're going to have people that are coming in asking why they missed an issue of Doctor Strange. And I bet we're going to get a lot of crook eyes from people and we say, sorry, Marvel put them out, out of order. You know, how, how does that make any sense to do? It doesn't, but, um, but they're doing it anyways. So event fatigue is real. I would say, um, it's real, the, the, and it's, it's definitely more present with Marvel than DC at this point. It is. At this point. Is. I would err on the side of uh, 20% of events end up making us money, and 80% of events end up... Breaking even. I don't, well, and I don't want to say losing us money, because if we order intelligently... Yeah, which we do. You know, anyone who orders intelligently should... If you order the the numbers of a book that you need, you're not going to lose money. You're going to make money. You're going to miss potential sales. So you're, you're you're losing out on possible revenue and growth, but you won't lose money. Uh, the, again, the problem with these event books is if you look at what we did with Secret Empire and you say, we've got 14 people that kept Steve Rogers, Captain America, that should translate to 14 people that are going to buy Secret Empire. Mm-hmm. But what if you're wrong? And what if you say we're going to get 14 copies of Secret Empire for all the Steve Rogers subscribers? And it, most people in a store, unless you're a gigantic store, and then you probably have the volume that you don't necessarily have to worry about micromanaging that anyways. But most people, if you're running a good store, they're going to they're going to talk to their Steve Rogers subscribers and just mention it. You know this leads into Secret Empire. Do you want it? But let's say that you, you don't. And let's just say that you, in a vacuum, you order copies to match Steve Rogers, and then you think, and I probably bet I will sell another six copies off of the shelf. So you order 20 copies, but now let's say that the problem is you only sell five copies off the shelf and half of your Steve Rogers subscribers don't want the book. Yep. Well, I mean, you paid for 20 copies, but you only sold 12, meaning you bought 20 copies and you're making, what, $4? That, that's... That kind of return is going to keep somebody in business for very long. Um, I, so I would rather err on the side of caution and order less copies, yep. but maximize my profits and have a 100% sell-through than say that I'm going to uh, – that the greatest fear is potential loss of, of sales by not having enough. You know, yeah. and you, you've got to be more conservative these days because this is not uh, – if everything was – was I mean we I don't want to get in the returnability thing again. You be you have to be sum it up. I think most stores for events would do much better by ordering much more conservatively and anticipating maybe a couple of extra sales yep. than going crazy and thinking that people are gonna come in because they saw a pop up ad on I don't know, an IGN about Secret Empire. You know, it's not gonna drive anybody. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Um, the other question from John, we kind of hit on some of his other pieces, but then the other question he had was, did the Monsters Unleashed miniseries count as an event? No. Did Monsters Unleashed count? No. Did Monsters Unleash? No. no. <laughs> neither neither the initial miniseries nor whatever they're calling this. The .mu. This uh, current Monsters Unleashed that's not going to last more than six issues. Um it was, I mean, this is another... It was a DOA. It's a completely dead-on-arrival book. Yep. Monsters Unleashed sold... Uh, yeah, I don't remember the exact numbers, but we sold single digits of Monsters Unleashed. Yep. And that was with people buying it. That was... I mean, I'll be honest. We really... I pushed it heavily because I'm a big Ditko Kirby Monster fan. 
you know i love fin fang foom i love gore and all these old crazy uh tales to astonish monsters that got put out in the the pre-superhero marvel's age i love that stuff i thought it was a cool idea but the execution of the book was not great marvel of course had to go tied back into the inhumans which is the answer to the question that no one asked and (laughs) i it just drove everyone away i mean nobody really cared about monsters unleashed then they decided to to turn it into what they're calling an ongoing, which we we all know is another. It's a short-term ongoing. It's right, right. <laughs> it's what we've talked about before. Uh, we are down to subs only on that, and we have one, one. subscriber. One. And um, and he's in the hospital, so I don't, you know, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully he picks it up, and maybe he won't even pick it up. Um, but yeah, Monsters Unleashed is not even an event to us. It's just. Yep. Uh, it's it was, another it's another book that relied on us overselling it with almost fall completely false enthusiasm. Um it's like every once in a while you you want to you have to be a good salesman. You have to you have to bite your tongue, you have to swallow pride and you have to push a product if you have a business. Yep. Um but you also have to have have a little pride and not try to if you sell people on junk and tell them that it's good People aren't going to come back, right? You know, and and Monsters Unleashed is one of those books where after a couple issues, uh, we we it is what it is, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. So no. Yep. Uh, all right. So let's switch gears a little bit out of Marvel land. Uh, are our customers looking forward to DC's Metal? Yeah, they yes. are. Yes, <laughs> we certainly are. Um, but the biggest question that customers have that I am in agreement with and. I know you disagree with me with is I we've had a lot of people wondering what is it? Is it a one shot? Is it a limited series? Is it an ongoing series? Is it a series of mini series? Is it a series of one shots? What is the difference between dark days, dark nights, dark matter? What is dark days? The forge? What is dark nights? The casting? What is DC masterclass? What is, um, blah, 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 and on and on and on. I do wonder when DC will put out a checklist. Like a one-pager? That kind yeah, of... yeah. Because yeah. If they, I can tell you right now, if they gave us like a big... Just, Justice League for Suicide Squad, another great example. awesome. Because that they, poster they gave they us... They put a big poster out. We oh. put that down right below. DC, we're, we're, we love you. We're fans. We want to help sell your product. Give us a checklist of the dark days, dark nights, dark matter whatever forge casting give us a big poster we want to put it up by the register have a checklist that we can point people towards people are unsure of what it is what it's made up of um and i think keeping the story under wraps is one thing but confusing consumers with the order of release and the different titles and different banners can be a little off-putting um, we have people, we have a lot of people excited about it. Yep. Mostly what we get people asking for though, is that book that DC is putting out with the metal cover. So, you know, it, the gimmick is working, I yep. guess actually that maybe we can use that as like a subtitle for this episode is the, gimmick the gimmicks is are, the gimmicks are working, uh, because you know, the button lenticular sold a buttload of copies, secret empire. We still use a lenticular backing board and buttons to sell a bunch of copies um, Dark Knight Metal, we have a lot of people asking for the metal cover. Which our listeners, though, will know one gimmick ain't working. Not free, free Cosmic Cubes. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. No, but no, I, yeah, and, and it's, I guess, the, and the reason that I disagree with you is is purely because of the amount of, of PR we've had given to us about it, mm-hmm. where I understand what it is, and so if someone asks me, I can articulate it. Um, but I can understand where what DC has done thus far between uh, what they released at C2E2 and then what they showed on the, uh, the video that we shared on our page from Jim Lee and Scott Snyder was really hype for the creators and the high level concept of what this is, but they haven't dug deep into a very concise listing of this is what it's comprised of. Mm -hmm. So I can, I fully agree with that. I can fully agree with that. But yes, bottom line, 
to answer the question from Perseus, are people looking forward to the event? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think right now DC is in a strong position where there is trust right now. Oh, and, and until they go off the rails, they're going to keep that trust. Like after the button, pretty every single person that I've interacted with in the store who read the button has said, did you read the button? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you think of the last page? You ready for doomsday clock? I mean, it is there. People are excited and it's, it's five months off. Yeah. You know, and I think that that says something that really says something when you're, you're giving someone a, a bite and they want the whole thing. No, I agree. So, I agree. um, so, uh, keeping on this vein, uh, with our customers also from Perseus, are we seeing more people jumping onto Marvel and DC books or do we see them jumping off and going to indie books or is it kind of the same? Um, no and no. We see people, we have more people jumping off of Marvel books onto DC books right now. Yep. Um, for two and that would reasons. be, well, the, but more than anything, it's, it's organic. I mean, we were DC fans, but at the same, we all, we, you know, we, we read Marvel love, books. Yeah, we yeah. do. But, uh, it's not us pushing people to jump ship. It's just that it's been an organic transition of customers from reading Marvel books, to picking up more DC books. We get a lot of people too. We have a lot of customers that aren't as, uh, internet comic news savvy as maybe a lot of customers are. And that's not to say all of our customers are. Or, or a good majority of our, our listeners probably. Absolutely. No, so. absolutely. I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're one of our customers, that's, we're not talking about you. No. Um, but we do have a lot of people that come in and only get their comic, um, I guess, insight, thoughts, ideas, feedback from the time that they spend in the store. And we've gotten a lot of people that come in and they'll talk to some of our other regulars when they're in here. And our other regulars are the ones doing the selling to people on Deathstroke, great book, um, Flash, great book, Green Arrow, great book. We've had people that have been, your longtime Marvel readers that have been in here that have jumped to reading uh, Green Arrow and Flash and um, Deathstroke. We've had a lot of people that have, for whatever reason, jumped over to Deathstroke from Marvel books too, or at least been Marvel readers that have added Deathstroke. And they've said that they did it because they heard nothing but good things about it. These are people that in the past had this sort of Marvel zombie mentality where they never never would have even considered going across the aisle. Now they're adding DC to their pull list. DC has, they have a buzz. Yeah. It's not just, I mean, it's, it's online, it's in person. Um, so we see more people jumping ship from Marvel to DC. When we take our, we have a separate, we have separate new book shelves that are separate from our recent book wall. Right. So every week we have the new books up by the front door. The first thing you see when you walk in, DC has a shelf, Marvel has a shelf, Image and all the independents have a shelf. But underneath this week's books, we keep last week's books. Right. It's a two-week rotation. Right. So when the new books come out, we grab the books from two weeks ago and those go to the recent wall. What we have seen is every week there have been a little bit more of the Marvel two-week books going back to the recent wall and a lot less of the two-week DCs going to the recent wall to the point where like one week, we had like five DC books, three DC books. Three. Eric tells I me. put three DC books on the show from the the two week two week new book to the recent bookshelf. It, it's just amazing, and it's also important to note we are upping our orders of DC mm-hmm. every FOC period. Correct, and we are reducing some of our numbers on Marvel every FOC period. Um, for Image and uh, Dark Horse and Independence, though, what we see tend to be what your big hot books are. Uh, God Country saw a big jump. Redneck. Redneck saw a big jump. But at the same time, I think more than anything, we get a lot of speculator interest in books. Yep. So we sold out of, we ordered a lot of Redneck number one, but we sold out of it. And we have not even come close to selling out of Redneck number two. Yep. God Country, when the buzz was huge, we sold a ton of God Country. Now we are not selling very much of God Country four and five or whatever they are, or whatever issue it's on. Um, Curse Words, another book that, was, oh, that, that was... was hot for a little while, now has completely dropped. And even 
Seven to Eternity uh, is is one that we are seeing every issue steady increases on. It's leveled off. Yeah, and I think that that's a that's for a couple of reasons. I think the biggest reason being the artist change. I don't think that's it. I think more than anything, that's a book that that's been hurt by delays. No, they took the the standard trade break, just like uh, BKV does with Saga. It was a three month break. It was a it was the halt of the first arc, then the trade after a month, and then a halt, and then yeah. But so. I I just I think when they had that kind of it was a it's it was Marvel a breakaway thing, hit image thing a Brian K Vaughn book like that. I mean, Remender's Remender's a great writer, but Remender wasn't selling books like Brian K Vaughn based on name alone. Maybe he sure. is now. Sure, but. I wonder if them taking that break, and I know that they had to for the artist because he couldn't keep that pace. But no, they didn't. They didn't take the break for the artist. It was Opeña only did the first arc. That okay. was the plan the whole time okay. um, because he took so long. So I, I, I truthfully, from what I saw online, there was a lot of buzz about the change in the artist, and that was what people were backing off from. Well, from, whatever the case, uh, regardless, yeah, it doesn't matter. So that ties into I think the let's do this as the last question for today. Sure. Um, what was our recent blow up book that hit hard and we under ordered? Um, we talked about a couple things that had we, well, we ordered, ordered more, we knew we could have sold like the button. Yeah. We under ordered God country. Um, I'm, I, I would say that that's a, that. It's kind of a tricky question because we could say we, we could have doubled our order of Redneck 1 and would we have sold it? Yeah. Maybe. But again, part of that savvy retailer thing is you always want to try and sell through within the first couple of weeks of that book coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> okay. Well, let's just go for the easiest one. Just say the button. Yeah. I, I think especially Batman 21. Mm-hmm. That would have been the one. Because everyone we increased, um, and then one that we thought would fly off the shelves lately, but hasn't been moving. Um, <laughs> I mean, look as he looks at the Marvel section. Hey, how about your uh, Night Owl oh, Society? Yeah, so that was that was a uh, that was one of those ones where who put that was that Eddie W. I think so. So it was an IDW mini uh, series, three issue series, and they offered uh, you got ten issues, you got full returnability on it, and they've started doing it with a few of their titles. So we just thought we would go ahead and, and try that. And I think uh, I was the only one that bought Night Owl, if I'm recalling correctly. Correct. James says correct. It was it was it was actually a good read. So um, so that was one. I don't know if we expected that to blow up, but we just thought we would take a flyer on it since the returnability was present. Um. You know, I'll tell you one thing that keeps selling for us like hotcakes. That's not a single issue. Uh, oddly normal, volume one. Mm-hmm. We cannot easy. keep that on the shelf. Easy. It's crazy. It's it's easily one of our best selling trades. So, uh, but I think uh, think we hit the events. I think we hit the big books, the tie-ins, and stuff like that. Any last parting words you want to toss in for today? No, not really. We'll be back with part two very soon. That's right. So uh, if anybody else out there has any questions, by all means, feel free to send them in. And then uh, please do, if you listen to us and you enjoy what you're hearing, go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Uh, We usually don't ask for those, but we've been getting a lot of feedback from people that find our angle of discussion to be really valuable in the comics industry. And uh, the best way for others to find that is if we're up there higher in the the, uh, iTunes search results. So if you do have the time and opportunity to do that, we'd be greatly uh, appreciative. So for James and myself, we will talk to you next time. On behalf of all of us, thank you for listening to this episode of the Cowcast. You can find us on all the main social media outlets, including Facebook at facebook.com slash on Twitter at Incredicow, or on Instagram at Cowabunga Comics. To send an email to us directly, send it to podcast at cowabungacomics.com, or to join in the discussion, you can hop on our new Cowabunga Comics forum at forums.cowabungacomics, that's cowabunga with a K, dot com.